We have audio. Can you hear me, Doctor? Can, can you hear me? I can see you too. Hey, Doctor Doom, what's going on, brother? I'm doing well. What about you, JDK3? Oh, I'm I'm hanging in there, man. We're gonna document some of our uh, our battles in the ring as we prepare for this uh, Iron Man match virtually here. Um, let me let me ask you, uh, wh where are you calling from today? Is this Zionsville or Kokomo? I'm Parts guessing. unknown. Parts. <laughs> I like I mean, that even better. That's I mean, Kirkland, Kirkland, Indiana, the new hot spot for pro wrestling. Okay, awesome. Um, and, and you're more than a than a medical doctor now. Uh, you're you're my medical doctor, going back to uh, the age of eighteen months. Is that when we first met each other? I'm trying to think. Uh, you might, yeah, maybe a little closer to two, but thereabouts. Yep. Okay, so it's it's been a long-standing uh, relationship and rivalry inside the ring. Uh, again, we we co-founded Timmy Takedown. That's what the the event uh, is is to me. Um, what I I can remember Dad dressing up in the in the tuxedo and doing the whole uh, get up for for that. Uh, what do you recall about the first couple of events that we did? <laughs> well, that would be JBK two. Yes, well aware. Yeah. Yeah. The blue heron of the ring. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's that would be his name now, I'm sure. By the way, since we were exchanging some info yesterday, I you know, I, I had to log on and I was watching Ray Mysterio's uh interview. And uh so I thought, eh, as a nod to him, you'll get a kick out of this t shirt also. <laughs> Look at this. Okay. Okay, wow. Viva yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So it's, I, I was when I was watching Ray, I thought, well, son of a gun. When I started, I was just a cruiserweight myself. <laughs> you know, when I saw what his weight was. But the early days, what I remember, yes, um, you know, when we had Chooch, uh, JBK two speaking, it was always um, certainly sounded very professional. And then the other part I remember was being so fearful of your mother. I thought, uh, <laughs> you know, Maria the maniac might come in the ring and get me if I did if I did her son wrong. I remember you and I talked about that lady in the pro wrestling, or excuse me, the the boxing match where the guy was beating on her son. She comes in with a high heel shoe and starts knocking on the uh -huh. the, the boxer. And uh, yes, I was I was actually just before I logged on, I was thinking about that time when you had called me. And you didn't need your cane anymore, so we worked that into the show. But that that was when I thought your mother just might go off. <laughs> yeah. Well, one tactic that you always use as a heel should you, you pulled this hair. That's why I kind of left right. it loose. Right. Know? I mean, right. You, no, that you can get you can get a full hand back here too. You know, the good <laughs> handle, good handle there. <laughs> Um, you, let's run through that, uh, that spot that we did for that one show, because, uh, I had done, I had just had, uh, both ankles stapled. My Achilles tendons lengthened, uh, took probably six to eight months to get back to walking a little bit. And, uh, I had the idea to turn Chuck the ultimate into the ultimate heel, kick my cane from underneath me. So I fall in the ring and, at, at the moment that you do that, what's going through your mind? Oh, <laughs> like the need to go after me, probably. Yeah. I, you know, I, I remember because I, I, about uh, four or five years ago, I was doing the show, doing the Timmy Takedown in Carretero, Mexico. And this uh, little gal who we'd, she'd lost her leg to cancer and we'd made her a new leg. And she said, uh, you know, here's a few years later, she said, hey, when we're in the match, I'm going to take my leg off and hit you with it. And I said, that'll make a great show. And mm -hmm. uh, it does. But like you, with your cane, I'm sitting there going, oh, gosh, that, that's <laughs> going to be, that's hard to do. But, you know, I thought it was a great idea. It'll make a great show. And so you diss me. You're walking away. And so I have to kick that cane out from under you. <laughs> I have to be honest. It was hard not to grab for you or... Or to try to help you up, because but yeah. do you remember the reaction of the crowd was fantastic? Woo. Because you know they're yeah. going, "Oh, this is great!" But whoa, that's going too far. <laughs> you had some heat, man. Some real I heat was, there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. yep. Um, but no, I always, I still think, and we can still work this in. JBK 
2K3, <laughs> where we get you in the ring, we shave your head. I still think that would be a great show. Yeah, I, you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, this, this hippie character may have run its course for, you know, the three year run that it's been. Maybe it's time to just go in the opposite direction. We can just do a reverse mohawk. <laughs> yeah, I think your mother might still come in. <laughs> Mom would be weeping. Yes, Tears yes. Of, and then follow that up by kicking your ass, uh, which, right, which yes, would be fun. So, so that, um, that's that's one mama bear I don't mess with. <laughs> uh, I know one guy that I impersonated, uh, even though he was before my time. Uh, I loved Ric Flair growing up as a kid. Uh, who were some of your favorite wrestlers? Well, I have to go back to Dick the Bruiser, um, Cowboy Bob Ellis, Sailor Art Thomas, uh, Coco Beware. Um, there were some great, great wrestlers. But then, you know, I also have to say, well, who are the heels that I really admired? And uh, during my pro wrestling days, I actually got knee-high boots custom made for my pro wrestling. People said, what, what's that about? And I go, hey, it's a nod to mm. Baron Von Rotsky, the mm. claw. Um, right. Yeah. But, but yeah, Ric Flair, I have to say, just looking back over the years, you know, um, <laughs> um, Ric Flair, just the, woo, you gotta, you gotta love the guy. And um, I just, in fact, I was just watching his documentary again for the second time the other night. Um, Rip Rogers, I mean, you, you have to admit he's done a lot for us with the Timmy takedown, and yeah. and he was he was like the ultimate heel. I mean, um, a lot of people don't realize just you know how big time he was from Seymour, Indiana, lives in Indianapolis now. Um, handsome Johnny Starr is also in indianapolis he's i think he's a pastor at this point. but uh it's you know just a great group of guys and and somebody i was actually in the ring with a couple of people i was in the ring with that i just really enjoyed their friendship so it was that you know the show and then also just working with them outside the ring great guys uh, ivan koloff mm. uh wow. passed, passed a few years back in north carolina he was it was always funny when outside the ring, he enunciated his words. He goes, I will beat the American during the Cold War. Then he was more like George the Animal still later in his career. But uh, he just, he, he sounded like a guy that should probably uh, read poetry. And uh, also uh, getting an opportunity um, with uh, Million Dollar Babies, the... Uh, um, uh, the spoil the world famous spoilers actually getting to do shows with them was wonderful. I was always envious of your dad, JBK, too. You know why? Why is that? He got that picture with Greg the Hammer Valentine. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even get to meet Greg when he was that was classic. Yeah. yeah, it was a great shot of the two of them. Together. <laughs> I was I, like, dang, what's yeah. They looked like they had been tag partners for years. The way that it was framed, they up actually and they yeah. actually did look like uh, <laughs> yeah the reuniting uh, the the reuniting tag partners after all those. <laughs> um, <laughs> in your experience, because uh, a lot of reality I think goes into creating your character, um, how much of a person is like actually their character? I mean, Ivan Koloff was he. Even though he was a heel, he was probably a nice guy outside of the ring. I would hope so, you know. Yeah, he and he was great in helping me with the kids. Uh, he would come visit in the hospital if I told him about children who were um, having a tough time, who were pro wrestling fans. He showed up. This was, of course, when I was back in Ashland, Kentucky, Kentucky, and um, just a really, really good person. Um, also, you know, there were a lot of other guys um, around that time in, um, well, Eastern U.S. Championship Wrestling, World of Professional Wrestling. We had the Buddha. We had uh, Tommy Gibson and uh, just a, a bunch of guys that, you know, if I said, hey, you know, I need some help. There's a little guy that just, you know, somebody in the hospital needs to be uplifted. Um, well, they were they did that, you know, Mr. Wrestling, too, and others. Right. And, um uh, 
In fact, in, in my book, you remember, I, I tell the story. I got to the hospital, and all these guys were supposedly following me. My little buddy, who was very sick, I go to the unit, and I'm looking around with, you know, pro wrestlers kind of stick out like sore thumb. And uh, I'm looking around, and I'm like, where are they? I went to the nurse. I said, no, we haven't seen anybody. Well, you know what? They were busy. Many of them had gone to the gift shop. Lots of guys were digging into their trunks, getting their um, memorabilia that they had. They were they just took time to gather things for Joey, and it was powerful. It was, and boy, you get a room full of pro wrestlers, um, it's kind of crowded in there. But I, I would say yes. You know, one of the things that I I loved about all of these guys, I think you've seen that with our shows and all the guys you've interact with, um, as as Ivan and I used to say, you got to be good at being good and you got to be good at being bad. Uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, ultimately, um, the kids come first. Right. Um, well, and I, I want to give a shout out to uh, Matt, the Blueprint Morgan, who is my uh, manager during the time that we did those events. Talk about a guy that was meant to be in professional wrestling. You mean that little guy? That... <laughs> yeah, but seven feet tall, 275 yeah. pounds. Yeah. He looked yeah. like he could have picked whatever sport he wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, I, the other story I wanted to tell, I mentioned Cargo as well. I love the story uh, that you tell of him picking up the little participant, might have been three years old, and he said, we're not going to take it easy on you. Sure. He lived, yeah, that was the first Timmy takedown, which was probably 28 years ago now, believe it or not. Yeah. And we walk in, and you know, Brian, being the character he is, he's a, he was only six foot seven. But <laughs> as he yeah. walked into doorways, he'd slap the top of the door and then rub his head like he bumped his head on the, on the door. As we walked in, or the door frame. And as we walked in, I remember this little guy just went like this, literally like in the movies, you know. <laughs> slowly looking up all the way up to see who did this body belong to brian doesn't he just stops doesn't even look at the kid that gathers up his flannel shirt and little guys wearing blue jeans and cowboy boots and brian just lifts him up in front of his face and says don't think we're going to take it easy on you just sits back down on the floor so, <laughs> <laughs> that's fabulous yeah uh, it was it's uh it's cool to, to document those stories man um you know a, a movie that we talk about to get a real idea of what being a pro wrestler is is uh the wrestler um have you seen the iron claw that's the other one that's out now no i have not seen that yet i you know a couple people have mentioned it to me and i do need to see it but uh yeah, yeah and, and you know, it was funny, the wrestler, because um, Mickey Rourke, I think, is a great actor anyway, but what, you know, they, they were so focused on his sort of downward trend, you know, he's kind of over the hill, and, um, and, and you see that pro wrestling, it's like you, you really, people are shocked by where you start, I mean, you're making, you make 10, 50 bucks for a match, if you, mm. if you even get paid initially. Mm -hmm. you're guaranteed some matches since you trained but then those who take off and hit the the uh, higher levels eventually there's a decline and and you'll see where they um they're working the the circuit you know in the smaller circuits again the one thing i i had told people and i think you and i had this discussion the one thing that i wish they'd have done on that movie which just show the characters in the locker room. It's it was just it was just kind of a dark movie. I thought it's again very well done, mm -hmm. but at least the the locker room. It was so much fun because you talk about personalities. There are some characters and the humor, and we're you know bull crapping with each other and saying things. To, it just I think they could have had a little more fun at least during that little segment of it. How much of a uh, wrestling match was kind of mapped out when you would do it? Or did you kind of call it in the ring as you saw it? We did a lot of walking and talking. And uh, we didn't <laughs> really, um, you know, at the level we were going, you're just kind of knocking the hell out of each other. And then somebody's got to go over. And uh, that was about the only part that we might have ch uh, chatted about prior to 
Oh, okay. Um, and uh, how would you describe Doctor Doom as a character? How, what What are the elements of his character? Well, Doctor Doom was sort of that fun side. You know, you were talking earlier about personality. When you, it's sort of that. Yeah, you know, again, the kids have always kept me grounded, and it's fun. But then to get to be sort of the, uh, I, I was a heel. I, I also wrestled as the gambler. I wrestled as um, the rugger, which for my face side. Um, my job, I typically made others look pretty good. You know what I mean? But um, when I had Sweet Jimmy Z as my uh, tag team partner, now Sweet Jimmy Z and his wife Diamond were both black belts in uh, Taekwondo, and uh, both of them put on a great show. So what was fun getting in the ring with those people and, and playing this out. Um, yeah. You get to show that dark side, you know, the, but, but again, to have some fun, people used to say to me, did you, were you a mask? You wear a mask? Oh, yes. I said, I had to, cause I was laughing and smiling so much. <laughs> again, it's a great group of people. And, um, you enjoy enjoy the, the shows and um, just you never knew what someone was going to say or do in the ring that just again um, my one concern is I probably caused my grandmother to roll over in her grave because uh, <laughs> we were not when when which is what connected me to pro wrestling was watching it with my grandmother it probably was a disappointment to her that I became a heel. Oh, okay yeah she she definitely but, wants you to be a face yeah right but now as you may recall too you know dr doom um actually won most every match i and my tag team my tag team partner and myself would typically win our matches um <laughs> we jimmy z i did i worked with most but what would happen they would review the tapes and apparently there was some suspicion that that I had injected my opponents with sleeping now. Ah, uh, but that, that's, that you wouldn't do that any day, would you? Well, exactly. No, of course <laughs> I would. And, and the resolution of those VHS tapes back then, I mean, that, you know, I question, I, I, Hey, I challenge him to bring it up. Let's take a look again. I, I yeah. wonder if they even have them. They may have just made <laughs> it up. 4 4k doesn't do me any favors either so you know I, i'm glad that, <laughs> right right i'm glad that's uh that's the case um you, you talked to me recently about how uh with dad being a musician and mom being who she is and being a published author uh, i have the perfect uh combination to be a pro wrestler um what did your parents do chuck remind me uh my dad worked at the chrysler transmission plant in kokomo and my mom, who was the oldest of 13 children, as she used to tell me, I, she never went anywhere without one child on each hip. And so <laughs> uh, with all my brothers and sisters, and then as I think you know, we had 150 foster children over the years. So um, mm -hmm. it was a great way to grow up. And uh, I remember someone once asked me, well, did your mom ever work? And I go, hell yeah, did you miss what I just said? And, you know, we had 150 <laughs> foster kids over all those years. And uh we might have up to three babies at a time, but, um, yeah, it was a great way to grow up. Um, you know, traditional family home in, uh, North of Pokemon, Indiana. And, um, yeah, you learn to count your blessings. <laughs> well, and we, we laughed about that scene in, uh, blues brothers when they're at the, uh, Bob's country bunker in Kokomo. Um, <laughs> what would you say the culture is in Kokomo? What's it like growing up there? Well, I, I don't recall any chicken wire around the bandstand, but I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily rule that out, uh, depending on what part of town you're in. But um, yeah, and of course, you know, the beach boys also were Pokemon Beach at, at some The only beach we had there was uh, the Kokomo Res Reservoir had a little bit of those. But um, again, great, great place to grow up. I, I'm, I grew up out in the country, so I went to Northwestern High School, but uh -huh. Yeah, most of the social part of growing up was within the city of Kokomo. Um, did you and you originally wanted to be a vet, right? Like, uh, how many how many pets did you have growing up? 
Well, I had a lot of pets and uh, lived out living out in the country. A lot of people would find the animals that had been orphaned or hit by a car or, um, you know, it looked like something stranded or dropped down on the road or whatever. So people would bring them to our house. And I had a little vet clinic underneath the apple tree. But uh, as I think I told you before, I wasn't real successful as a vet. So I also had a little <laughs> cemetery underneath the apple tree. But, uh, again, great way to grow up. And, uh, you know, the spiritual part of that was... Um, was a neat way to uh, experience life, but um, yeah, I was going to be a vet. I went, you know, St. Francis, that's who I wanted to be, and <laughs> yeah. that seemed like the likely occupation for us. And, um, what kind of student were you in school? Uh, I was a good student until um, seventh grade when my sister came home and told me if I really wanted to be a veterinarian. I couldn't afford to get any B's at all. I had to get straight A's, and uh, and uh, I knew my dad couldn't pay for me to go to college. So in seventh grade, I decided uh, I needed to be a state champion and followed the poem. So at that point, I became a great trying to earn scholarships to go off the career. Okay, um, and again, what uh, what uh, sports did you do in high school? Think back. Well, I I loved all sports. I you know, believe it or not, played uh, I played one year of tennis in high school. I was terrible, wow. but the coach the coach liked to keep me on the team because I I paced everyone else. I you know I was a rabbit. I was ran and just went on and on. I was definitely I put sixteen players on the team. I'd have been I would have been ranked number sixteen. I was definitely the worst player on. The um, but I played football seventh grade and ninth grade, which I really enjoyed. I was just so small and uh, got kind of tired of, you know, sort of the, the quips by the coach about not bad for a little guy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm tired of it. So being a little guy, I took up amateur wrestling. I did high school, AAU, Olympic wrestling, gave up all the other sports so I could focus on amateur wrestling. Um, do you have to follow a specific diet as a wrestler? <laughs> I feel like they always yeah. paying attention to that, you know. Well, you know, when you're growing like that, I, I heck, my freshman year, I was only five foot one, weighed ninety five pounds, so the lowest weight class was ninety eight, and I was the varsity wrestler at level. But um, as I started growing a little more harder, and I did have to cut weight, um, I got carried away my season where I cut from one hundred pounds down to one. So I cut 35 pounds to rest 126. And um, that wasn't the smartest thing, but yourself some discipline, I guess. Well, and uh, this should tell people that you're tough, man. You're one of the few people I know that uh, played competitive rugby. Uh, did, is that, did you play that in high school? When did you get involved with that, too? Yeah, well, no, we didn't have rugby in high school. I would have loved to have been introduced to the sport sooner. I did not find out about it till my sophomore year. And and interestingly enough, many of us who took up took up rugby had been amateur wrestlers. And then this was a great sport transition. So yes, I love in fact I, I'd have to give it my highest rating. Uh, I love football, as you know, a lot of football too. But um, there's a camaraderie about rugby that I I haven't found another sport. So picked that up when I was on my 20th birthday. Ironically enough, I remember my parents came to Purdue. They got me a birthday cake. My 20th birthday, I was playing A-side for Purdue. Um, they came out, watched that match, and they never came back. <laughs> it was a little too, <laughs> wow. little too much for them. <laughs> um. Well, and I feel like injuries are just part of the game. Uh, Mom wouldn't even sign the permission slip if it were me. Uh, what uh, what injuries have you sustained playing rugby and uh, the different sports? <laughs> oh, I think last count, I'm up around 24 fractures. And, um, yeah, it, might, it was funny. I was probably destined for this. When, uh, when I was four years old, my, my uncle and uh, brother and sister sent me down a hill back down the hill on the side yard backwards in a wagon flipped out of there broke my collarbone at four oh yeah and then wrestling uh, high school wrestling i broke my ribs um 
football, broke my left arm, both both of the bones up in the, the wrist area. Um, I've broken most all of my fingers and um, avulsion fractures in both hamstrings, one playing football, one rugby, broken ankle from line drive on the pitcher's mound and <laughs> just, you know, sometimes being in the wrong place at the right time or the wrong time whatever it is but yeah probably i think last count was around 24 fractures <laughs> well and i can remember uh, a recent injury that went down unfortunately i was there to win. you tore your bicep at one of oh the, yes at, at a timmy takedown event of all places <laughs> yes of all places the only pro wrestling injury i've ever had and now if if brian starts if he, he you you'll probably get a retort from him because I like to point out that the only time I've had a pro wrestling injury was from my own tag team partner, that being <laughs> Cargo, who did not release my arm as he was supposed to. And yes, my bicep snapped. Okay. Um, well, and that, that brings up the perfect segue into the next one. Uh, has, a, has a move ever gone wrong? Uh, clearly one where you get hurt, but uh, where you hurt someone else. Like, that would be something that would scare me. <laughs> for... Ooh. That's that's a that's a toned down woo. Woo. <laughs> yeah. I I've said and I, I need to find some wood to knock on when I say this. Thankfully, thankfully, we have never injured a child in Timmy Tate. Yeah. Injured ourselves many times. Um Big Brian, Cargo and I were doing a show down in Louisville, Kentucky. And um, we were helping raise money for a children's hospital. And we had about 75 kids get in the ring that day. And we were outdoors. And it just, it was taking its toll on us. And then the very next day, we did a show here in Annapolis. Where I remember us saying, Let's make a point not to do this. But he had missed one of his flips. And as you know, that's a, that's a big guy. He landed on his head and then kicked me upside the head. <laughs> outside 17 and uh so yeah we you know you you do get injured i should say you get hurt but, you know it's one of those things that you uh you work it into the show and uh years ago 92 to 97 when i was doing the pro wrestling um i remember someone said to me gosh it looks like it hurts when you get hit with a chair and I'm like, it does <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah can't fake that yeah it does hurt uh, but um, I remember my biggest concern, you know, you, you train and then you're in the ring at some point. Well, my training was pretty quick and pretty abbreviated, and I was in the ring. So get hit in the gut and did a, you know, I fold over. Guy does a reverse gut wrench, turns me up. So clearly I'm going to get piled. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to practice this yet. And being a uh, rehab doctor, I was sitting there going, oh, boy. Disastrous, catastrophic. And uh, dropped the pile drive, and then I, but I was able to push off the thighs and send myself flying. It looked great on, on that VHS tape. <laughs> it looked great. But, uh, yeah, thankfully, I did not end up uh, fracturing my neck. But the, the other thing I do remember, the first match I ever did, someone turned me over in powers. Now, yeah, that's to be expected, and that's fine. Unfortunately, that day we were using an old boxing, and it had a big I-beam across the middle. And so when I was turned over and slammed, I landed across that I-beam. You want to talk about getting the wind knocked out of you. <laughs> I was lying there going, <clears throat> that, that took a little while. Yeah. Well, yeah. One move that I don't care what surface you hit. Um, I've I've been, I've been binging Monday Night Raw lately. Um, Triple H's double A uh, spine buster. That looks like that hurts every single time. I don't care how you how you land or absorb that bump. It's it's gonna hurt. <laughs> I yeah. I and I think uh, I always joke with my friends about hey, it's time to get back in the ring, and I go, man, I got this or that, and I go, it'll put. No, I got a disc out. I go, well, this will put the disc back in. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's um, it does. Um, 
you know, I think during my rugby days, I overlapped a lot with rugby, football, and wrestling. And and so I used to joke about I had to get go through uh, sort of a spring training just to get the body mushed up a bit, where it was used to getting knocked around like that. Well, and something I would never get used to, because it, it was probably the most real sound that you can generate off of a human body is like Ric Flair's chop or or Big Show's chop like a chop has to hurt too uh with uh you know human contact that way <laughs> well you want to be big and you want to be loud in the ring that's yeah. important yes yeah. you want to be big and be loud oh, um wow. let's see uh is there any pro wrestler that you uh haven't met that you would like to i'd say rick flair and that'd probably be one guy yeah and i, I do Go ahead. I thought you might have crossed paths with him at least. Or, you, know. Uh, you know, I haven't. And uh, <laughs> but, you know, you watch some of those shows. See, I love doing tag team. Tag team was fun, and the reason it was fun, you know, you had time to work. You had a lot more time to work the crowd and to work in the ring, so it was fun. And uh, I had a pretty good following of uh, some of the colleges around. Uh, Northeast Kentucky, I'd have a big following in the ringside you know, fraternities and <laughs> show up to support Dr. Big. That, that was fun. Um, but um, yeah, Ric Flair, again, just he just he puts on the show, and I, I just always enjoyed him. The, um, the one thing I do appreciate too, John Cena, as much as he does for. Uh, Make a wish, and you know he's mm-hmm. he's a pop. He's a um, a big wish um, grantor for the kids who have significant medical issues. Also, The Rock. I had a a little patient years ago. I think I told you when he's three years old and he was in a bad car accident, fractured to the neck. And at age three, we'd say, "Isaiah, do The Rock," and he'd reach up. Once he got his arm back, he lift his eyebrow up a few times. So he got to meet The Rock for his wish. Although I teased his mother. I said, now, whose wish was that? Was that Isaiah's or yours? <laughs> well, uh, and uh, with The Rock being the one of the biggest stars in the world now, uh, did you ever want to be an actor? I mean, was that any aspiration of yours? No, not really. I never really thought about it. Um, it's... Um... <clears throat> Yeah, it, it was, you know, it's, I remember in high school, somehow I ended up being the student director from the club my senior year, but, um, okay. and I was always writing new stuff into the script, you know, <laughs> whether they appreciated that or not, I don't know. But okay. yeah, I never really thought about being an actor. Um, when you when you have time to watch TV, uh, what are some shows that you like to watch? You know, I, I watch a lot of the old Frasier throwbacks. I I remember <laughs> seeing it years ago because I thought Sears was a great sitcom. And so I've been watching some of the uh, the old Frasier uh, sitcoms, which I just thought really good and very well written. Um, I also, I, I have to say, I remember a friend of mine said, Chuck, you need to get Netflix. They've got all kinds of documentaries on there. And I thought, I probably don't need to get <laughs> So I do, I watch a lot of documentaries on history. Okay, cool. Uh, any kind of uh, particular genre, like World War II? I mean, what what's the subject matter of the... Uh, you know, a lot for, um, I would say any of the, uh, well, I'm actually finishing up I'm watching Godfather 3 right now. I just thought that was so well done. Man. So I always found that interesting. Uh, Prohibition, the uh, uh, gangster type movies but uh, or documentaries. And then, yeah, I would say World War II. Not not, not so much interest in World War One, Civil War, Civil War, World War II. And then just all the world and okay. archaeology. Anything associated with archaeology. I've always said... Um, want to start spending some more time uh, diving and digging now now that I have time to do um, you know dad had a band and uh, played uh, all sorts of different types of music but uh, what music do you listen to too? 
little bit of everything, but I have to say I still lean back towards the late 50s into the mid-70s. I just think uh, probably the stuff I was listening to more so when I was in uh, high school and early college, I just, the, the lyrics were so great. It, it, you weren't straining to say, well, what were they saying? What were they saying? <laughs> right. But I do, I think the lyrics were so well written back then. And uh, I was a huge fan in high school of the Electric Light Orchestra. Uh, what's the last concert you went to that was enjoyable? Oh, man. I really don't go to too many concerts. Probably Jimmy Buffett. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, what I was going to say was most of the stars that I know and uh, and I'm old school, like I, I don't even know who the celebrities are now. <laughs> you know, that's like, the way I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know the Nick, you know, they pop up on TV or like you're watching the Super Bowl and there's Taylor Swift. I wouldn't know one of her songs. Oh, no. uh, yeah. yeah. But, I, you know, it's funny. I think uh, I used to joke about some of our champ campers, kids that came to camp and, um, one of the, one of the little gals, she knew all all of the Beach Boy songs, and she would sing along with them. And I I told somebody, I said, "Well, if you think about it, Mom and Dad are listening to it. She can't change the station, so <laughs> or or change the CD at the time." Um, what I always associate with Champ Camp, which is something else that you're involved with, is uh, hot air balloons and race cars. <laughs> um, Absolutely, it's a, Absolutely. it's a cool experience for anybody that gets a chance to. Uh, participate or volunteer with champ camp uh tell me more about that if you would yeah ironically enough the little gal we were talking about i just mentioned who knew all the beach lyrics she was that one i went around at the end of camp uh champ camp by the way uh camp is an acronym for children have a lot of potential and so we wanted to uh allow children who had significant respiratory illness and maybe get around in battery-powered wheelchairs or have traits, difficult to communicate. And many of them can't even take them home. Mm -hmm. um, incidentally, I might add, we've had champ campers totally vent-dependent go off the top rope into the wrestling time. So, again, children do have a lot of potential. But yeah, that little gal, I went around and I said, how do we make camp better next year? And I always thought, oh, they're going to say floors every night. But no, she looks up and says, oh, balloons and race cars. And I said, these are the people you want to hang out. <laughs> and I yeah. remember saying to her, I go, I don't know. I might be afraid. She looked up and said, I'm going to pull up with you. There you go. Um, through all of your experiences, Chuck, uh, what are some of the best life lessons you've been able to take away from them? Well, I think that to kind of roll it up into philosophic, I always said, if, if you do what I've done for as many years as I've done, 30 years, being blessed to be the caregiver of my leaders, I would say, uh, let's tell people, I think we're all prodigal sons and daughters on this planet. We all make mistakes. Most important, we're here to learn. And the most appreciate what you have and most, and I always said I think the whole idea of life is to share the to help someone along the road and uh, between the foster children and then later in my practice uh, as you know I was very serious about sports enjoyed sports but that's not eternal hanging out with the likes of you and all the <laughs> the kids that I was blessed to meet in my clinic, that's eternal. So, what's, the, what's the best piece of advice you've received? Best piece of advice I've received? Hmm. Very good question. I think it was Steve Mark said, always no never no always keep a litter bag in the car so when it's full you throw it out the window uh, <laughs> <laughs> no That's i'd great. say the greatest piece of advice um well the way again how i've encapsulated it 
and I just gathered it. I don't remember any of the children saying this directly, but just to learn to love and accept everyone. That's how I try to live. To love and accept everybody where they are. And, and also know that both of our lives are forever changed because we encountered each other on this journey. Yeah, I think one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever received uh, was from you, sir, with our work together uh, with Timmy Global Health that we've uh, worked on together. Uh, the the less you or the more you worry about others, the less you worry about yourself, um, which kind of encapsulates it all in one yeah. one statement. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. And then, uh, and I think that's you know, it's easy to go down that rabbit hole or that whirlpool when you get caught up in. Um, things you're struggling with it, it's funny somebody i'm trying to remember where i saw this quote not long ago and i actually wrote it down anxiety is where you get you're more concerned with the future depression is where you're sort of hung up on the past and again uh, as you know in the book chapter one present and ideally we live in the present and that we are present for each other but um yeah, you're right about that. I mean, that's that explains why we are on this planet. Help each other along. The way. I'm uh, I'm going to give you the James Lipton list of questions for uh, inside the actor's studio here. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> what uh, what sound do you love? What sound do I love? Hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna have to do these quicker because otherwise, I, there are so many that I do love. But I think children laughing, just the laughter of kids. I would probably say the same thing. Laughter in general. Um, sound do you hate? I'm reflecting too much. I I would say I, it it distresses me when someone's in pain. So maybe if someone's crying, the opposite of the laughter. Yeah. I would say uh, feedback from a speaker. That makes sense. I, I'm <laughs> you, being being a sound guy and being right, that, would, no, that makes sense. Yeah. All those years, uh, that would be good. Um, uh, favorite uh, snack, if you have one. Whew, I might have to go with Reese's peanut butter still. Although I'm don't allow <laughs> myself to eat that sort of thing anymore. <laughs> okay. Are you, yeah, I was gonna say, are you do you follow a particular regiment now? As a yeah, I, I really just need to. With um, you know, at my age, be more more health conscious, eating uh, less carbohydrates, more protein. Um, Peter Attia has a great book out called Outlive, and he said there are four food groups: carbohydrates, proteins, fats, and alcohol. So <laughs> try to avoid <laughs> the ones that are that are more of a problem. And then just um, try. The other thing I said at my age, not so much um, the heavy lifting. But more reps, uh, lower weight, more reps, and then uh, trying to do cardio or whatever. Uh, if you do have an alcoholic drink, what's your drink of choice? Well, you know, really love margaritas, but I have to say with the, the distillery up here in Kirkman, Indiana, you've gotten pretty good at making an old-fashioned. Okay, cool. Um Again, you are you are much more than a uh, medical doctor. You have you're involved in a lot of different things. Uh, is there anything you want to promote uh, or talk about here? Well, you know, I think there's a chance for the uh, for Jimmy Kennedy JBK three to lose his hair <laughs> on October 5th <laughs> or October 12th. We do have a Timmy takedown in Kirkland on October 5th, and we have a Timmy takedown at the Global village on Lafayette Road on October 12th. Okay. Well, the reason I'm smiling, I might have to wear a mask <laughs> that day because I'll be laughing too hysterically. Uh, October 5th is mom's birthday. So maybe that oh, would be no. the day. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be go. the day to Woo. shave the head, man. And, Woo. and uh, We got the day. <laughs> yeah, we, we got the day of my character turn. It's going to be October 5th. We're going to, it's going to be a totally different look for, for JDK going into October. Um, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. Would you, would your mom let, could we shave her head? She might actually <laughs> shave her head rather than you get her shaved, but hey. Yeah. I, she's a little more willing to change, you know, and she might, she might be more, 
<laughs> she might be more radical in, in that way. You know, it and, might be time for her to get in the ring. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I, I'll be the first to say I'm, I'm a pretty boy, but uh, you know, she might, <laughs> she's beautiful enough to pull that off. You know, the, yeah. the short hair. She so. can be a ring diva. Of course. <laughs> um, Chuck, let me tell you right now, sir. Um, you've been everything to me, best friend, brother, uh, father figure. And uh, you're the closest thing I've got to a spiritual guru. Uh, and I, I normally call you when I need to be brought down back to earth. But uh, it's it's really cool to document some of our history here. Uh, we could go on a lot longer than what we have so far. But uh, thanks for being part of my show and for uh, being being a part of my life to this point, man. It's It's been a joy to grow up with each other because <laughs> when i look when i look back at you you're still a young man when we when we got involved together you know <laughs> well i'm gonna tell you something jimmy it's been a pleasure and happy to do it but it's been really an honor and a blessing to get to know you and your your family so well yeah. um i i've told you the story so many times about your mother getting tearful when i said of course he's gonna walk and and then that you're you know <laughs> starts bawling i'm handing her kleenexes and your dad i look over at him and as you know at that time he looked like he could have been uh leading the the pack in a motorcycle game. <laughs> and he, he looks at me and he kind of whispers like eh, sensitive type but i see the tears welling up in his eyes i just as i've said to all three of you many times i just loved how much love there was when the three of you were together and um, I just thought you were a good uh, example of what what I wished for in with all the children that I saw in the clinic was, boy, if they just had that sort of unity in their family, I think. <laughs> do you know, uh, you know, Chooch's follow up question to you? <laughs> I, I know what it was. Uh, will he be able to play golf? That was dad's first question. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. You know, he said he said. <laughs> I will carry him everywhere <laughs> if, yeah. if he can't walk. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, he he was uh, such, as you know, such a good, good man, big heart. And uh, yeah. every time, it, just like the other day when I was driving to Kokomo and there was that blue heron sitting out in the field, I'm going, oh, stop, get a photo. <laughs> um, I, th That's one thing I do want to ask you about too. Um, you know, I think that healthcare uh is defined differently by and uh it's a tough thing to kind of um get together um but one thing that i think you offer that's different from most medical doctors is hope how much of like <laughs> hope and having good bedside manner is important when going into medicine <laughs> well yes that is the problem that is but um, I'm still trying to preach that. I still try to practice that, that as I, as you know, the keynote address I often give all over the world is mission of healthcare. And uh, if you can't come to the bedside with hope, don't even go to the Let another doctor who can carry that into the room bring that. I wish, um, as I mentioned many times, we do not get into med school because we're passionate, um, have good intention. Humanitarians, whatever. You get into med school because you have a certain GPA and a certain CAT score. Um, as we discussed, I, I left, I quit med school during my second year. Thankfully, my girlfriend at the time and two of my buddies from med school drugged me back. Because I just said, I felt like they were strangling out of me the things that would make me a good doctor. And then ironically enough, even as I was doing my specialty training down at University of Alabama, Birmingham, um, in fact, if you go to my TED talk, TEDx talk uh, called Maverick Medicine, I was the chairman of our department died and said, I'm concerned you're going to get the patient to be in a maverick even before you practice medicine. And I remember saying, I, this seems to me, we, if we could do this better, we should. Kids deserve it. Our patients deserve greater effort. And if there's a better way to bring it, bedside. So yes, back to your comment. We do need, as as 
he and I got at odds at one point. He said, and he was an elder at his church. He said, is, is medicine a science or an art? Well, everyone in the room guessed he was leaning towards science. So they all said science. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm going with art. It is the art of the application of science. And we need to get back to that. Uh, ironically enough, I think that'd be the same thing for pro wrestling, isn't it? The art of the application of our science. Yeah, instead of yeah. being robotic and hitting spots, just yeah, yeah, just just live and be in the moment. As, yeah. Uh, yeah, as most wrestlers, the best ones were were that way. Um, you know, I'm a TV guy, and I I like having the best references so I can understand what being a doctor is. What's the most accurate medical show that you've seen? <laughs> in general, I don't watch them. But okay. the one, the one that I did like, the sitcom that I enjoyed was uh, Mash. Okay. Because cool. I, I think you know, being, I think at times when you are, you are overwhelmed, yet you have the compassion. How it wears, it's still necessary to deliver for your patients, and um, you want to stop the system and kind of destroying that that experience for both you and the patient, but uh, ultimately there's a bigger, as I, I refer to it now, instead of the military industrial complex, it's the medical industrial complex. Hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, something else we've tortured my mother with over the years is the idea that I'm going to go on a foreign trip with you. Uh, what would you say is a luxury in the United States that people take for granted? <laughs> indoor plumbing <laughs> yeah. for starters yeah indoor plumbing yeah. That's, uh, that's that's the initial and and uh as you know i've taken care of some children that literally live on exposed landfills um also peace i mean we we seem to uh cause enough um destruction on our own in our own street that um when you're in a war zone that's just a terrible horrible place Mm-hmm. If you could live outside the United States, where would you live? Costa Rica or Ecuador. All right. Are you are you going to make that trip at some point? And would you live outside the U.S. permanently? I will be spending more time outside the U.S. Um, going forward. Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, I I might want to make that trip with you, <laughs> along with mom. Maybe maybe she'll finally <laughs> you know after twenty years make make yeah. that journey. So. <laughs> I think it'd be great for both. <laughs> All right. Um, Chuck, is there anything else you want to add, sir, before we get out of here? No, just proud of you, Jimmy. Love you. And uh, just uh, enjoyed this. It was great catching up. All right, my man. Hey, uh, folks, to hear this episode again and all others with the program, make your way over to at JBK on air on all social media platforms. Head over to linktree.com slash JBK on air. For all things related to the show, and you can also donate to the program with the link right in the description. Until next time, have a great day and a better tomorrow.